Have a Bible, get it out. If you have a Bible app on your phone, open that up. And, uh, and let's get into some stuff today. Uh, find Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. I started a series a few weeks ago. Uh, this series is called, As You See the Day Approaching. So there's a big event coming, and it is called the day. And uh, we're supposed to be ready for it. We're supposed to be looking for it. Supposed to be prepared for when that day arrives. Hebrews chapter 10 reads this way in verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, so what, what's the thing here? The more we see it, the more we're supposed to alter our behaviors, our habits, our practices. They should, uh, they should be increased, meaning certain godly practices should be increased the closer we get, right? And, and I know there's no doubt that we are closer to that day this week than we were last week. Yeah, no doubt about that. We're closer than we used to be. And every day we do get closer. So again, that means an increased, increased measure of certain activities should exist in our lives. If they're not, I would wonder, do we really see it coming? Or are we blind to the times in which we live? Are we spiritually slumbering instead of being alive and awake and active? Amen. Everybody awake today? All right. <laughs> now, this day is, you know, Good and bad. It's called uh, in the scriptures. The prophet Joel referred to it as the great and terrible day of the Lord. Should get our attention at least. <laughs> it's a great day and it's a terrible day. Well, that should serve as at least an attention getter, maybe even a warning. But I know this day for some, it'll bring a shout. It'll be, it's a great day. And others will be, huh, yikes. Yikes, this day is upon us. I wasn't ready. And here it is. It's happening now. And so I'm teaching uh, for the purpose of us being able to shout on that day. For us being ready, prepared, excited about it. Right? We've been anticipating it. We've been looking forward to it. We've packed. We're, we're ready. We got our toothbrush. You know, we're, we're ready to go instead of being caught off guard. All right? And so... Uh, we should conduct ourselves again in a manner that is appropriate, worthy of such a significant day, and not be caught sleeping. Praise God. Last time, uh, I shared with you another verse. I got a little echo up here. I don't know if you guys hear that. Uh, uh, in another verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, and it reads, Now the Spirit expressly says, that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So this is one of those realities that we can't change. We can't change in the big picture. We can't say, no, this is not going to happen. I've prayed this one away. I, I used the name of Jesus and now no one's going to depart. Actually, some will depart. That will happen. However, you don't have to be among the some. 
S-O-M-E. You don't have to be part of the some group, all right? Some will depart, but I'm choosing to not join them. I don't care if they have donuts. I don't care if they have a great invitation, if they have a great ride. (laughs) I'm not joining the departing group. I have purposed to stay. And what I want to do is not just decide that today while I'm feeling good. I want to do what is necessary so I won't be among those who get deceived and thinking somewhere else is better. Somewhere in the world is, is better for me. Amen. But we should understand this, that none of us are, are exempt from possible deception. The enemy is at work in this regard. Some people will be deceived. And if we just think, well, that's not going to be me, I appreciate the commitment. I agree with you. But how do you know? If some are going to be deceived, some are going to be tricked into thinking something else is better, why wouldn't it be you? What are you doing to ensure that it's not going to be you? Right? Because there are some people today that are serving God, that are living for Him. They're saved. But at some point, they're going to depart. Hmm. If you would, turn with me to the book of Acts. Let me give you uh, an example uh, of this. It's a left turn from Hebrews. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20. And uh, Paul was speaking here. You know, Paul didn't write the book of Acts like he did some of the other books. But some of his words are contained here in this book as well. And... He, he says here in verse 29, for I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. All right. It's very, very strong word there. Savage wolves. Now, is he literally talking about animals? See, literally four-legged creatures are going to come in there. Well, he's using the picture of the wolves and a flock, which would be how a wolf would attack sheep, all right? Just like the president wasn't, wasn't literally talking about coyotes this week. I don't, know if you, I don't know if any of you saw that. People were questioning, how can a coyote drag someone across the border? <laughs> okay, he wasn't being literal. Paul wasn't being literal here. <laughs> Not literal savage wolf. However, the language of savage wolf tells us what kind of person this is. This is, this, is, this is not someone you want to be around, and this is not someone you want to come near. Uh, verse 30, also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So, so watch, the people, the, the believers, this group that he's speaking to, they are going to be infiltrated. They're going to be attacked from two groups, really. Their danger lies from two groups of people. One group are called the savage wolves. They're coming in from the outside, all right? So we shouldn't think necessarily that everyone who comes is a, you know, is a celebration. I think most people are, you know, 
And, 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 and when people come here and they visit, I, that's what my assumption is. I'm kind of going to go with the benefit of the doubt. You're coming here because you want to be here or at least someone you like made you come. Um, <laughs> you're not here to, to attack. But occasionally that happens. It really does happen. I mean, it's not very often. But I mean, is it pretty rare? Understand this. But sometimes I hear, hey, so-and-so, they're not going to be coming anymore. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> That's not very often. Okay. Say, so is that me? Well, if you're a savage wolf, then yes. If you're here to disrupt, to destroy, to, to uh, speak perverse things, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's another place for you somewhere. <laughs> Most people are hungry for God. They want help. And, and I tell you, that's what we want. Even people with lots of problems, lots of problems. When they come here, you are welcome here because we are here because we recognize that not only we have problems, but the Lord is the solution. He is the answer. But he said that he did say this though. People will come from the outside to do this, but here's the scary part. Here's the really the attention getter. He said, verse 30, also from among yourselves, from among yourselves, men will rise up. They'll speak perverse things to draw disciples after themselves. So this is how the enemy infiltrates, sends some people from the outside. And this is the harder part is he will use people on the inside and stir them up. These are selfish people. They're proud. They're looking for their own following. They'll start to criticize others. They'll speak against leaders. They'll speak against other people. What, what are they trying to do? They have an agenda in mind. They're trying to draw people after them. They want people to follow them and think they're something special. Again, they're proud, but they're being used by the enemy to divide. And this is, this is a group that Paul trained. This is a group of disciples. I tell you, that's not because they had lack of word or lack of good leadership. They had some pretty stout leaders some godly people leading them, and yet still the enemy would come in and mess with people, and they would actually turn from within. The reason I'm bringing this up is because if that could happen to them then and there, that could happen to us here and now. And the reason I bring it here is not so we be afraid, so we get afraid that it might be one of us, but so that we pay attention so it's not one of us. It doesn't have to be be you. When, when I was in Bible college years ago, I can remember sitting in class and the leader of our school, Brother Hagen, would sometimes uh, be teaching and he'd go off and start telling us stories that were kind of of the negative nature of what different people who had graduated from the school were doing now. Okay. Of course, there's a lot of good things, but then he'd say, uh, this person went off and they said this, and this person went off and they started doing this, and now they're teaching this. And, and he, would, he would share that with us, and then he'd kind of get, uh, get in a little high voice, and he'd kind of be preaching to us, and he would say, yeah, they did that. They said that. And they were sitting right there in the same seat you're sitting in. And they went off and they did this. And we would all realize, wow, just because I'm doing well right here, right now, just because I'm on the receiving end and I'm fully committed to the Lord, I should not just make an assumption that this is guaranteed to be my future. 
I need to make choices. I need to watch to make sure I do not let the enemy infiltrate my own mind. Because who am I to think I'm better than this other person who went off and who started selfishly drawing people to themselves? Why am I smart? Why am I better? Am I smarter? Am I more spiritual? I can't make that judgment. So I better pay attention. And I've been able to see that myself. I mean, with, with tears in the years of ministry to have been able to minister to some and work with some. And then years later to hear and see what they do. It's like, yikes, you didn't get that from us. Why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? Sometimes I think they're brain dead because... Because they don't know that social media lets us see what they're saying. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm still here, don't you? I can see that. Hallelujah. I think it, uh, this should be, um, I don't know, maybe it can help us in this regard. If you ever see someone from another church, another ministry, and they're doing, they're acting crazy, or they're saying, they're saying bad things. Don't assume that that whole ministry is is bad. Don't say, oh yeah, that church is, they're crazy because I met one of their members. You met one of their members. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not a good judgment to just put that on the whole because some person got squirrely. Amen. <laughs> Here's another thing. Uh, just because someone go, goes south or starts acting in such a manner doesn't mean that they weren't ever supposed to be used of God. It doesn't mean that God didn't want to use them. It doesn't mean that their leader necessarily made a mistake. It does, Paul didn't say that because he trained these people. He raised them up. They got saved and discipled under his ministry. And he said, still, they're going to rise up from among you and go, and go astray. Yeah? I mean, Paul had it. Even Jesus had that. Right? Remember that one guy? There were the 12, but there's that one, Judas. Jesus picked him. He called him and said, follow me. Judas was in all the meetings, saw the miracles, saw the heard the teachings, saw the miracles. I mean, there's no doubt he was exposed to some pretty amazing things, and yet he went south. Yeah, and there were others in in, in Paul's ministry as well that that did that did the wrong thing. What what's the solution here? Well, he's telling them in verse 31. He said, "Watch and remember, I told you this. I told you night and day. I told you for three years this was going to happen." So what, what does that mean? That it's going to not happen? No, he said it is going to happen. Why is he telling them to watch? Why is he telling them to remember? So each person can take responsibility for their own lives. And they can go into this eyes wide open and say, oh, this is it. This is it. We were warned. We were warned. I'm going to watch myself and be on guard lest I follow that pattern. And we all have that opportunity ourselves. We, even when Jesus was teaching about last days and his coming and that kind of stuff. He used those words as well. The word watch, Mark 13, 37. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Everybody say watch. watch. Say, so what? That means our eyes are open. Our spiritual eyes are open. We're paying attention. Now, let me use an example today of a guy named Demas. You ever heard of Demas? 
Demas. He was a guy, and some of you are thinking, no, I don't know who Demas is. It's understandable if you don't. If you've read the New Testament, you have read his name three times, okay? He's not elaborated upon, but we have just a little bit of information. So I want to read the first two, and then I'll have you turn to, uh, tur- turn to the third one, okay? That's 2 Timothy 4. And we'll, let, me, let me tell you about Demas real quick. Uh, Paul mentioned him in Colossians 4.14, the end of his letter. He writes, Luke, the beloved physician... And Demas greet you. Okay? What, 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 is, what is he saying there? Well, he wrote the letter to the church, the Christians in Colossae. And by, the, and by the way, Luke and Demas say hi. That's basically what was going on there. Right? He's writing them and they're saying, hey, Paul, are you writing that letter to them? Could you tell them hi from me? Yeah? And Luke said it. And Demas said it. You know who Luke is. He's a heavy hitter. We've got the gospel of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He's one of Paul's companions. And Demas, Luke and Demas. Yeah? You've heard of Luke. Maybe you've heard of Demas. Here's another one. He mentioned him to the, in the letter to Philemon, verse 23 and 4. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So we got, we've got these four people and some big names in there. At least two of them you recognize, Mark and Luke. And then Demas is in there. And who are they? They are Paul's fellow laborers. So they worked with Paul in the ministry. This is not some outsider. This is a very much of an inner circle person with Paul. They worked with him. However, the last time he's mentioned is in that verse that I had you turn to. Look at that, 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Demas did what? He forsook him. Why did he do that? He loved this present world. So look at his life. At one point, we don't have any details, but I think I can read between the lines on his life a little bit. Bear with me as I kind of elaborate and add some color to Demas's life. I just know he was close enough to Paul to get in his letters. He's pretty tight. He is called by by Paul a fellow laborer. What does that mean? He's on his ministry team. He's working, doing the work of the ministry with Paul, not with some obscure, unknown person. This is the apostle Paul whom God specifically called, specifically called on the road to Damascus, had that great experience. 1 Corinthians 12, he was caught, he was, or 2 Corinthians 12, caught up to heaven came back. He wrote most of our New Testament. Demas is one of his companions. He's one of his helpers. So Paul personally was discipling him in ministry. I know what that looks like a little bit because I would have certain expectations if someone were working closely with me in ministry. They could not be just out there. They couldn't have a bunch of wrong doctrine or have a lifestyle that contradicted what we preach. I know if someone's working with me, 
They're going to be people of faith. They're going to have a prayer life. They're going to have integrity in their life. As much as I can control that, you know, if they're going to follow me, they're going to have miracles in their life. They're going to be spirit-filled. Think about this. And I would consider Paul, if Paul were at a certain level, I'm not saying I'm anywhere even close to that as far as my level of ministry and revelation and and so forth. Uh, And so I can make some assumptions, I think, about Demas. Say, this guy was saved. He was filled with the Spirit. He spoke in tongues a lot. He worshiped God. He had healing flowing through his hands. There were miracles coming through his life. He not only observed Paul and his manner of life and the great... um, mighty miracles that were performed, the many multitudes of salvations that happened. Demas was a part of the team. This was happening in this ministry, right? And I would, I would venture to say much of it happened through his hands as well, not just him observing Paul. So this is his life until he loved this present world. So he's not really wondering, is God real? Is any of this even true? But he felt, even in the midst of that atmosphere, he fell in love with the present world. And this kind of wakes me up a little bit. It shakes me and says, because I can say I've experienced God, maybe not even at the level that Demas did. I've experienced God. I know what's true, but he fell in love with this present world. I wonder if that could happen to me. You know what the answer is? In possibility is yes. Yes, I could end up in Thessalonica too. And so could you. You're not shouting me down or anything. I, well, I guess that's not good news. Uh, <laughs> but I want you to notice that love is the key component to walking with God. Demas had his love shifted. Instead of loving God, now what's he doing? Loving this present world. The things of this world, the things of this life got his attention so much that his, uh, he, his, his affection was no longer on the Lord. Remember Colossians 3, if, if, you, if you were risen with Christ, set your affection on things that are above, not things of this earth. So we make a choice where we're going to set our affection. If we set our affection on the things of this world, there's a real good chance that we are going to depart when we should stay. And this is what we want to be on guard for today. The Apostle John wrote similar language, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, when he said, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And what we seek is abiding, a continuance, an ongoing relationship with God that's strong. When the wolves come in, we can, we can kick them away. When people rise up within us to try to draw people after themselves, we are the ones that recognize it and say, nope, that's not a wrong right voice right there. That's a wrong spirit there. That's not the, what we're supposed to follow. We're sharp because we've set our affection on him. When our love is for God, our love for the world cannot coexist. 
These things do not exist together. And so we set our effects. We find ourselves getting too occupied with the things of the world. We recognize there's a danger here if I keep going down this path. Like we shared with you last week, Jesus talked about people's love growing cold. There's a danger here if I do this. And so I'm going to keep my guard up lest I replace my love for God with love for the world. So what should our our life look like as we see the day approaching? Let's check our love life. Yeah, let's check our, uh, what satisfies us? What fills us? Where do we get our kicks? (laughs) What what brings us joy? What really fills our lives? And if it's not your relationship with God, it needs to be that. There will be other things constantly with all of us, with preachers like me, like Demas, with anyone, where there'll be things that are pulling us away, tugging at our hearts, vying for our attention, telling us, you just need this and then you'll be happy. You need this. And it might be material, it might be money, it might be sin, it might be sex, it might be something in this world, something that's outside of God's plan. You understand what I'm saying? It might be something else, but they're pulling on us, pulling on us, pulling on us. If you just have this, you'll be happy. If you just had this, you'll be be fulfilled. Stop. No, you won't. It's a lie. It's a trick of the devil. I will only be truly and genuinely fulfilled and satisfied in God. I do not want to set aside my love for him with my love for this world. This is, and this is not just platitude. This is a real present danger. And in the last days, the enemy is working overtime to draw people away. And we're saying, I'm, I've wised up to his tactics. And no, I'm going to turn some things off in my life so that I can love God and walk with him each and every day. Praise God. If you have come today and you've been looking here and there and running to and fro looking looking, searching for something that makes your life better. Can I tell you, look up. No person will do it. Doesn't that give you a temporary fix? You can have a, you know, some people, you know, what do they talk, call it? Retail therapy. <laughs> and and their, their lack of fulfillment gets, you know, taken care of for a few minutes by getting in debt usually, <laughs> spending money they don't have. That's not going to do it. Just will for a minute. There are many different things that try to fill that void, but be wise. Say, no, I'm not going to fall for this. This is a trick. This is a trick of the, de- of the devil. I know my fulfillment, my satisfaction comes by abiding in his love, not in the love for this present world. If you've gone away, by the way, already, say, I am Demas. Hi, I'm Demas. My name's Demas. Uh, I just rented an apartment in Thessalonica. Uh, I departed, and uh, I'm here today or watching online today. Can I come back? Yes. Absolutely. The arms of the Father are not closed towards you. Come home. Come back. And I'm not just talking about come back physically, although that's a part of it, you understand? I'm talking about um, come back inwardly. Come back in faith. Come back and love God like you haven't maybe for a while. Praise God. 
I know the Lord, I know the Lord leads people back here all the time. When I say back here, even if here is new for you, back here into a place of fellowship with the Father. He does it, and He does it through us. He does it by uh, us having services like this, and people will, will come. And they'll come sometimes by invitation and sometimes not by invitation of another person. And it is the Spirit of God saying, I want you back. I want you back. I want you back. And you didn't realize when you came that that was going to happen. You didn't know for certain that that something needed to change in your life. But once you're in the service and you sense the presence of God, you, you know there's something, man, there's something I need here. There's something that's right. I've been off. I've been off track. I'm lacking this. I'm missing something vital in my life. I want to be back where I used to be. I want to experience this again. And I tell you, it's not my voice that's convincing you because I'm not able to do that. But it is the Spirit of God who would draw you back, who would say, you are welcome home. My arms are wide open to you. Come back inside. He's not here to condemn. He's not here to beat down. He, he is here to restore. Amen. Here's a, uh, there's a few verses. I want to just finish today with reading a few verses that direct our attention towards our own self-preservation, if you will, spiritually. And uh, these words come from different individuals who wrote them. Uh, the first one, Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul, the apostle, wrote to Timothy, who was a bigwig himself. And he was a pastor at Ephesus. He wrote to Timothy in 4 and 16 and said, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. He told Timothy, Watch out for yourself. Take heed to yourself and the doctrine. Doctrine means the teaching or the instruction. The word, he said, Take heed to these things for his own life and for his ministry, of course. He said, if you do this, you'll save yourself. Now, that's inter interesting. Obviously, he's not talking about being born again. Timothy's already saved as far as he's the righteousness of God in Christ. But he said, in, a, in a very real way, he said, when you do this, you take heed to yourself, you'll save yourself. And if you'll do that, you'll save other people too, if you'll take heed to yourself. So this is wisdom for us to take a look and analyze our own walk with God our own love, our, our, you know, our love life, our love level. Are we being um, drawn away with love for this present world? Or are we abiding in the very love of God himself? He said, do this. Jesus said, John 8, 31, he said, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. If you do what with my word? Not if you heard it, not if you've gotten it some time back, not if you've logged it in your mental library, but if you continue with it, continue in my word, you'll be my disciples, okay? This again speaks to our manner of life or habits. As you see the day approaching, as you see the day approaching, make sure your habits are in order. Don't follow the manner of some who disperse and do their own thing, as you see it coming, have good practices, good habits in your life. Hit and miss Christianity does not work. This is a very hard thing to do if you've got one foot in the water, one foot out. Amen? Anyone ever play that game, Fish? what's it called, Marco Polo? 
in the water? Okay, it's a good game for kids, except for when I played. See, it's a game where you're trying to, uh, how do you do it? The person, who, the person who's it is trying to find the other person, the other people in the water. So the person would say, Marco, and everyone else has to say, Polo. And then he, the person has their eyes closed and they have to find them. Marco, Polo. And so what's the obvious strategy? Is to get out of the pool. <laughs> but then there's another word that they can say, and that's called fish out of water. And if they say fish out of water while you're out of the water, then you're it. And you, so now you know how the game works. And one day when I was little, I was on the diving board, I was fish out of water. And I thought, oh, I got to get back in as quick as possible. And so I was going to jump to the side and jump out of the water. And I jumped off the diving board and hit my chin on the edge of the pool. I still have a little scar right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you don't remember anything about, else about walking with God, remember me. And don't be a fish out of water. How did that come up again? <laughs> You're right. One foot in the water, one foot out of the water. You can do that in the game because you're not fish out of water. But don't do that with God. <laughs> Hit and miss Christianity, partway in, partway out, is a, is a struggle. It really does not work very well. The words continually. Stay in it. Check yourself. Take heed to yourself. Continue in my word. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 reads, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. What's the word? Examine yourselves. Not are you in the building? Are you in the faith? I mean, you can be in the building and not be in the faith. One thing to be in Christ. Another thing to be in church. Yeah. Examine yourselves. Not checking everyone else out. How you doing? Making judgments about where everyone stands. Let's stay strong personally. Jesus said, watch. Yeah? And so if you have action-producing faith, I think you're in a good place. And one more, Acts chapter 14, verse 21 and 22. It reads, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. And so they had been saved. And what did they do? They said, we have to go back and visit these cities. We have to find the, the disciples, the believers. What, what do they need? They need strengthened. What do we need to tell them? We need to exhort them to continue. Apparently, being saved, obviously that's the biggest event of our lives when you, when you get born again. But apparently saved people need exhortation to continue. We should do that for each other. We should set ourselves up, put ourselves in a position to hear this. That's what we're doing right now. Even if you are fully devoted, fully committed to the Lord, you're not even pondering, loving this present world. But to hear a message, it's just smart to be encouraged by the Spirit of the Lord with the anointing of God manifest in our midst to hear someone say, keep going, Amen. stay in the Word. 
Keep your prayer life. Keep serving. Keep giving. Because apparently the enemy comes by now and then and starts to whisper to people in their ears and say, I'll tell you, this is not working for you anymore. There's something better. Or you've been tithing for a year and you're still at the same place. Start, start lying to people. Why? He wants to stop you from continuing. That's right. People get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in a heavy, heavenly language. And they'll say, that's not real. What you got is not what everyone else got. What you got is not the real thing. It's just, a, it's like, can you come up with anything new? You're like a politician. You say the same dumb things. Year after year. You come up with anything new? No, he won't. And some of us fall for it. How do we not fall for it? Continue. If I know it's right, if I know it's word, if I know it's good, I just need to keep on going because it will produce fruit. If you plant a tree in the fall, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of activity on that tree until the spring. And all winter long, you could think, what's wrong with my tree? What's wrong with my tree? I don't understand. This was a good tree. I think I planted it correctly. I fertilized it. I put water there. I, I, I followed the instructions on trees. Some things have to stay long enough, and when the right season comes around, kaboom. Amen, amen. You keep staying with it. Follow the Lord. Serve Him wholeheartedly. You'll see some results. But we must continue. And especially as we see the day approaching.